0: All right. All 30 major league baseball teams have officially reported to camp. So let's talk about some of the storylines that you should keep your eye out for for the next month. Hello and welcome to this edition of Side Retired. It's Dylan Campione, Nico Fernandez, and Henry Kalani as always. And guys, we've officially reached the end of the offseason. I know our Twitter account put out yesterday was the last Sunday without baseball until November. It's a good feeling to be back in the baseball mood. Goodbye to football. Goodbye to the NBA. And he'll say hello to Major League Baseball. But first, I'll say hello to you guys. How we doing?
1: Can't complain. Happy President's Day. Um, a week until 30 clubs and 30 days starts, probably my favorite series that MLB Network has. So we're back in the swing. I'm excited.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's looking very stoic. Yeah. How are you doing?
1: I,
2: I, I, I'm known for that. Um, you know, it's just like now it's just anticipation. It's just straight, like I can't wait to see the to see more than just live at bat videos taken from like an offset angle on someone's phone. I can't wait to get some actual spring training content. It's super exciting.
0: And just a little note on the podcast, obviously we've been grinding it out throughout the off season, giving you guys five episodes a week, and we're happy to report that we're not going anywhere. Although we will likely be shifting more towards three to four episodes in a given week, given that a lot of the guests we've been having on are related in the baseball world, whether they're players, they're coaches, they're reporters, and they now have busy schedules throughout the week, covering and playing for the retrospective teams. So, As a result, this week and going forward, you'll likely be getting three to four episodes on a given basis. We will still be conducting one to two interviews a week. They will still be including people throughout the baseball world. I know we've got a great episode coming out for you guys on tomorrow's episode. So just be patient with us. Follow the Instagram and the Twitter and the TikTok and the YouTube. Those are good indicators that we launch out whenever we have a new episode dropping. So make sure to give a follow on those also subscribe on apple also subscribe on spotify you'll get notifications whenever a new episode comes out so again the three of us will not be going anywhere neither will james Towsig, who enjoyed a great weekend for utsa and is probably out celebrating right now how much his batting average has risen and how he has almost as many hits this year as he had last year already so shout out to jt for the hot streak he's on to begin the year but we're going to talk some major league baseball to begin things off and We're going to talk about storylines that you, as well as us, should be paying attention to throughout the next month until we get to opening day. So the first one, and I've got the master list of seven, and then we're going to bring in our panelists here to talk about them. The first one is a question. Will the Young Guns break camp? And of course, referring to Jackson Holliday, Jackson Churio, Paul Skeens, Dylan Cruz, if you guys have any sleepers that you want to mention, but how many slash will any of the Young Guns break camp?
1: I mean, there's, there's so many that I want to say should, and I think me and Henry were big in like college baseball prospects. Mm-hmm. If it was us, it would be every single person because they deserve it. But we know how this works. It's like you have to really be like a dude and like win that spot outright for you to be that starter. I would say that there's some guys. I think Jackson Holiday is going to be that guy who goes and just absolutely shows what he is. I love him. I've been talking about him a ton. Jackson Chorio got the contract. I think that yeah. that's him. um Dylan Cruz again, same thing. Like we'll see what happens with him. Again, college prospect. We we're kind of in the new age of baseball. It seems like we're kind of seeing a shift where people are starting to go more away from those high school players and going more to those college guys and kind of rush them up. Not not really rush them up, but since they're more developed products, rush them up. Two guys that I want to see two arms. I want to see what happens with Emerson Hancock. I think that he goes and when he got drafted, um a lot of him was He has those injury issues. Once he figures it out, he's going to be dominant. He's going to be a dude. And he's really shown that for the Mariners. And I think that, especially a team built around pitching, I think that he can definitely slide into a number five spot and see if he can develop there. And the other guys, Mick Abel. I think that the Phillies are kind of in that same thing. They have a lot of veteran guys that are great to mentor him. Obviously, Andy Painter can't. He's probably going to be out for quite some time after his surgery last year. But Mick Abel seems like he's kind of been budding over the last two years to kind of make that that spot so those two arms depending on how they do in spring training could definitely sneak in. Yeah.
2: And I mean, I was really big especially when Paul Skeens originally got drafted, I was big on the on the camp that he might be able to break to break camp on the major league roster. I don't know how realistic that's going to happen like that's going to be. Um I mean, I feel like it would be the most Brewers thing ever to throw a hundred million dollars to Jackson Churio and not have him on the opening day roster. It would be hilarious. Um, But I think that him, that he's definitely the lock out of this group. And I'm leaning that Jackson holiday will make, will crack the roster. But I mean, he'll still have to definitely like perform to the, to what people have been like highly anticipating him to be. And, I think I think that he has to prove himself in camp more than Churio does simply because Churio got the contract. Yeah, oh yeah, go for
1: it. I think what's weird about the Jackson Holiday situation is he's not really going against a shortstop. Like it's more like he's going against like the field of infield, and it's like, are we going to slide gunner to third? I mean, which really makes it like complicated for him because. If it was just straight up like he's going against like Ramon Urias or like Jorge Mateo, then it would be like, okay, I just got to beat this I think he can beat out Jorge Mateo. I I think he can beat out both of them, but it's more like I have to beat out them not wanting to put another top prospect at short over me for the time being, which like makes it really weird because it's almost like we don't know what the bar is for Jackson Holiday, which is what kind of like makes me a little nervous about him because he is a dude. I think we all believe that he's going to be something, but it's just for him, it really is a question mark of what's that bar going to be because it's, he's not even with, trying to like vie for like a, a starting spot at short. It's more like he's trying to vie for being better than like Gunner Henderson being at short, which is a really tall task to do. But at the same time, like I would love to see Gunner at third and him at short.
0: It'll be an interesting thing. Cause I wonder if there's a better route to him making it as the everyday second base. Then I know everyone says that at the end of the day, He's going to be the shortstop. Gunner's to move to third. Gunner's just a bigger guy, as we've seen with Cal Ripken, with A-Rod and stuff like that. I wonder if it turns into a situation that Jackson Holiday forces the hand of the Orioles and they just say second base for now, because it is that big question of, are you ready to move Gunner off short already after half of the season owning the position? I will say, going back to the original question, there's some easy low-hanging fruit, top 100, top 50 guys that will be making the rosters no matter what. Evan Carter, Locke. P. Crow Armstrong, Locke. I think Jordan Lawler has a shot at making the Arizona Diamondbacks roster. He got a cup of coffee at the end of last season. I'll say Colt Keith got the extension from the Tigers. Locke. Kyle Harrison's supposed to be the two or three starter in the San Francisco Giants rotation. Locke. I think there will be a couple other Baltimore Orioles, whether that's going to be someone like Heston Kerstad, Maybe it's a Kobe Mayo. One of those guys are going to find their way onto the roster. I think that's an interesting so situation. Um, there's one interesting thing that I'd point out. Rumor out of Port St. Lucie is Drew Gilbert's got a shot at the starting center fielder job out of spring training no, with the Mets. No, 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 <laughs> no, no, don't do it, Mets. Don't met. Do not Mets Drew Gilbert. Another lock, Nolan Chanuel is going to be on the starting first baseman for the LA Angels at some point. Wyatt Langford's last one we haven't talked about. Talented enough to be on an opening day roster, but they've got a they stacked don't need lineup. It.
2: Yeah, like, why not give him a little more time? I, I bet he comes up this year. I don't think, I don't think anybody's really are doing that. Um, but, like, it's not, it's not like they need to fill a hole there.
1: Yeah, I think – obviously, I think if any of these guys just go out and rake and they're, like, the best player of their spring, I think that they could warrant a spot. But, again, it's just – it doesn't make sense. Like, even though I think we all want to see it, like, it doesn't make sense. Give him a little bit more time and then wait till you really need him. Like, maybe in, like, May, June, July, maybe if a guy goes down – and just add that flexibility. I don't think bringing him up and having him be your fourth outfielder is really the best decision for his development. I think waiting until the time arises for him to just add that depth that they could have, I I think that's what's going to make sense for him, even though I could honestly say that if we're talking about guys who, based on what they've done in the minors, deserve to be on the major league roster, he's probably top three in my opinion.
0: Number two storyline is just the Los Angeles Dodgers in general. You could throw them out there for a boatload of reasons. It's Shohei Otani in a new environment. It's Gavin Lux returning from an ACL surgery. But what we want to highlight here, Dodgers rotation is fascinating. Obviously, there's guys at the top that are locks. Yoshinobu Yamamoto is going to be the opening day starter, which, again, fascinating to see him pitch in spring. Tyler Glasnow is going to be in there. Bobby Miller is going to be in there. And then they signed James Paxton, who's apparently going to be healthy for opening day. And then they've got a slew of young guys and Emmett Sheehan, Gavin Stone, Ricky Vanasco, Michael Grove, Landon Knack, all competing for what seems to be the fifth spot. Don't forget they also have Ryan Yarbrough, who they've recently signed and is expected to be a big piece. Oh, by the way, Walker Bueller is expected to be back from Tommy John surgery, if not by opening day, certainly by the middle to end of April. And don't worry, there's also three guys recovering from surgery. In addition to Shohei Otani, expected to be back at some point this year, and Clayton Kershaw, Tony Gonsolin, and Dustin May. So I just listed twelve competent, in fact, more than competent major league baseball starting pitchers for five spots.
2: And yeah, they don't. But that's the thing; they don't need it to necessarily be a competition because that's not how the Dodgers treat their pitching. Like they don't, they don't treat their pitching like. Oh well, we got like five young guys competing for this one spot. It's all right, we're just gonna throw all of these guys out there. They're all gonna get 75 innings, and we'll just like have them start when we need them to, and they'll all have like three fours (laughs) for the for the year. And like, and 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 that's and like they do relatively low innings with guys with disgusting stuff, and they just sort of have that solid young depth that gets them through the regular season it doesn't necessarily always translate to the playoffs which is where I think that that's a big part of the reason why they get into trouble because they don't have necessarily the same star-studded pitching that sort of gets you through the playoffs they don't have the Jordan Montgomery we're going to workhorse you through seven innings of two-run ball but in the regular season having six different young guys who could give you a four-inning start whenever you need it like that's how they That's how they do well, and that's how they get through injuries that we've seen.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how you have to look at the Dodgers because even though they have all this talent, ton of question marks from a health perspective. Again, Yamamoto, he's been healthy in the MPB, but we don't know how that's going to translate to having a high, higher workload and, you know, just the wear and tear of what an MLB season brings. Glass now obviously has um, injuries. Kershaw, again, coming back from injury. Bueller coming back from injury. The Dodgers are in this weird spot where they just have so much. And, like, it's – how do you utilize a guy like Emmitt Sheehan? A guy who showed that he can start and be a very good starter for your team. But
2: you're it's just – there's so many – You don't many, want to say you don't need him, but you, you don't. don't.
1: Like, it's, like, that's the thing. Like, that's why I didn't want to say it because, like, it's, like, you don't. Like – and the thing is, like, what do they need? They don't need anything as of now. Like, there's not one hole in this team. So it's almost like, what do you do with guys like him, guys like Bobby Miller, guys like Gavin Stone? I know Bobby Miller's probably going to slide into the rotation after a year he had. But, like, there's so many guys that they have just waiting. And it's, you can only put so many guys in the bullpen. Like, you already have Evan Phillips. You already have Roostar Gradroy, You already have Alex Viesa. You already have, is Joe Kelly still with them? Mm -hmm. yes you already have joe kelly like you have a good bullpen so it's like there's zero idea of where to put them and it's it's a lot different from guys who are like oh they got their cup of coffee and they didn't really perform so we're gonna give them some more time to develop a lot of these guys like Emma Sheens, the guy that i've just been staying on he's done nothing to not be a starter this year like gavin stone i could understand gavin stone kind of had a got roughed around a little bit when he was in the big leagues all these guys that were stating have mainly done nothing for them not to be a star a four on most. Well, that's on the most. guy
0: that you're talking about. They paid James Paxton fifteen million dollars to do what? Like, it, because, like, think about they their can idea, because, because, because they think can about their ideal rotation. And Henry, I know a second ago you said the Dodgers' problem, and it's true. Last year, game three of the NLDS, their flaw was they started Lance Lynn, which obviously didn't go well. I remember that perfectly when Catal-Marte was blasting balls in the right field off of him. The Dodgers' playoff rotation could look like Yamamoto in Game 1, Glasnow in Game 2, Bueller in Game 3, Bobby Miller in Game 4. Oh, and by the way, Clayton Kershaw is still lurking if in a um, by The fact that Kershaw... By the way, I'd also like to point out, arguably a top-five pitcher in the major leagues and Joey Otani is not pitching this year, but that's a factor next year.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's just like this this year they seem to be obviously there's some question marks with like will these guys be able to stay healthy but if everything goes right they don't have to overutilize their pitchers cuz they have a an embarrassment of riches when it comes to depth and and they can have these guys in pretty much mid-season form if they want by the Oops. time october rolls around and frankly as much as i love to say like first round choke if you have mid-season form Yamamoto which obviously we don't know exactly what he's going to be but we've we've seen the highlights the guy's gross um you have mid-season form Yamamoto you have Bueller back and you have um Tyler Glasnow if he stays healthy like that's disgusting
0: we'll just think what we just mentioned Yamamoto Glasnow Bueller, Miller and Kershaw let's say that's your ideal five that's not even including Paxton, who we know has playoff experience and is a dependable starting pitcher. Yeah, I'm a Yankee fan. N- that inc- no, that includes Emmett Sheehan, doesn't count. or doesn't include Emmett Sheehan, who will be done with his sophomore season and has done nothing to prove that he shouldn't be a major league caliber starting pitcher. That doesn't include the former number one prospect in baseball, Dustin May, who you know when he's on is electric. He's coming back. Too. That that doesn't include. Former Cy Young candidate, and for a year he was, Tony Gonsolin went off and was elite at his peak, too, like two years ago. That's for, If your rotation was Gonsolin, May, Sheehan, Paxton, and then Ryan Yarbrough,
1: that's arguably a top five, top ten rotation in baseball by so, itself. The question, like, and I guess this is actually a valid question to pose, can the Dodgers afford to just give Yamamoto the same rest that he had in Japan?
2: Yeah, they
1: can. Yeah. In, 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 the
2: re- in the regular season. I see no reason not to.
1: Why not? I mean, that's like, the most logical thing. Like, obviously, and, and, it's hard with your other pitchers, but if you're able to give the guy who you're paying all this money to, and again, we're talking about Glass now with the load management, and you did make up the make the good point that that's kind of what bit them a little bit in the in the postseason, but if you can give Bueller a couple extra days off. Glass now who has arm who has had troubles a couple days off. Yamamoto could stay on his schedule and then like you slowly, as people kind of ebb and flow, you kind of like August, September, you see who are like your real five, especially when Kershaw comes back. And then you go and edge into that like regular rotation to get ready for the playoffs. Like why wouldn't you? I'll
0: also just point out the Dodgers just announced earlier today they have also signed another starting pitcher. To a minor league contract, but again, a lot of major league experience. Dylan Nelson-Lamette, who at his peak with the San Diego Padres, Mm -hmm. was a solid starting pitcher. So one year the rich get richer. But let's move on to topic number three, and we're going to speed through this one because go back to our episode from Friday. It's that there's four big free agents still out there, Snell, Montgomery, Bellinger, Chapman. We assume they're signing at some point this spring. You could even throw a J.D. Martinez out there. I'll say the name because it's a storyline. Trevor Bauer is still out there. We'll see what happens if he goes back to Japan or if some team gets desperate and signs him. I know he was working out at the Angels camp last weekend. remains to be seen what happens there. But that's a storyline. So, yes, where does Snell sign? Where does Montgomery sign? Ballinger, Bauer, Chapman, J.D. Martinez, and all the rest. Moving on to number four, unless anyone wants to chime in quickly there.
2: No, I mean, we did you did you mention the Chapman thing? Giants aren't interested, which is an interesting development. Um, but, you know. Yeah. yeah it's just same old, same old thing. Apparently I, Seattle, I say Cubs. Right?
0: I still I hold I hold on to the Cubs. Well, I thought so too, but then the Cubs is now to Christopher Morales they're starting third baseman this year. So Yeah, you say that. They say
1: that. Yeah. <laughs> I think the only other thing is that and we'll probably get to it a little bit later just Again, what? how are the Orioles going to go now that, you know, they said Brash is pitching through it. But, again, massive alarm bells because of what happened with him. So we kind of don't know what they're going to do. They've had talks of, like, maybe signing someone, talks of maybe trading. So we'll see what happens there.
0: The interesting thing to work out with that team, and that's a perfect transition to here: spring training extensions is our number four topic. And, obviously, Corbin Burns is one of those guys that could be eligible for it. I guess it's a new Orioles ownership, so it remains to be seen how they operate. If they extend Corbin Burns, does that mean they can't afford a Blake Snell or a Jordan Montgomery? Or if all of a sudden they sign Blake Snell in the next week, does that mean they won't have enough money to keep Burns long-term? But let's talk about topic number four, spring training extensions. The names that are out there, Corbin Burns, Juan Soto, Tristan Casas is talking extension, and then two guys in their walk years, Zach Wheeler and Pete Alonso. God help me. And then we're going to say it. Because he, again, commented about it. He's extended through his age 39 season, but apparently Bryce Harper wants an extension too for some reason right now. So out of all the guys we just mentioned, Burns, Pete, Soto, Casas, Wheeler, Bryce, anyone getting extended this spring? I mean, Wheeler seems to really want to stay in Philly. (laughs)
2: Like, he's very vocal about it. I wouldn't be shocked if he got one. Is he a Boris guy?
0: I don't think so. I mean, it, it, I, honestly, if he's not, Nico furiously types away at his computer to find the answer. That no, that's me. That's me. <laughs> um, um, I'll say with Wheeler. I don't think so. This was a weird suspicion that I had.
1: No, Washerman guy. Yeah.
0: So well, I I don't see well, I don't Mike see why Wheeler. not. Uh, actually, he's a. According to Track, he's a jet sports guy. According let me, let to Baseball.
1: Oh, no, he was previously Jet Sports. Now his agent's Wasserman according to baseball reference.
0: Oh, so he wants to get paid.
1: No, I think I think <laughs> that's the obvious one. But
0: the, Philly, the Phillies will pay him.
2: That's well, the obvious
1: one. I think that he's going to get extended. I think it's a match made in heaven. He wants to stay. The Phillies want him. It's just they want to spend money on him. They've been talking the last couple off seasons. They've been really looking for the right opportunity to spend money and make another splash And what better way to just make the splash by just keeping Zach Wheeler for the rest of his career. (laughs) It makes too much sense. I think that if there's any that we could like lock in, which again, with these, you can't really lock any in. Like, I think this is the safest bet, but again, Casa said a little bit, he was like, yeah, we talked about it, but they didn't really give me something enticing. So that's kind of in the talks. Don't know if that's going to go anywhere. Maybe in spring training, (sighs) I mean, the one that's most interesting, and I know you want to talk about it, what happens with Pete, bro?
0: I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Not going great.
1: <laughs> oh, no, I don't think they're going to. I don't think they are either. The one that I don't think is going to happen, but I want to happen with every fiber of my being is Corbin Burns. That would be. I don't care. I, if it, it would me. be
2: so awesome.
1: Please. And like the fact that me and Henry are fam, uh, we said it last episode. Like the fact that me and Henry are fanboying over a team that's going to demolish us this year is terrible. I'm gonna be applauding <laughs> them as they but do he, it. please extend Jordan <laughs> Burns, like, oh, because I don't think they're going to get him in free agency. I think one team is going to overbid. I would hope that he stays, but again, if you have the opportunity, to lock him up now. And I think that he's going to be. I think he's open to it. Um, I think especially once he gets situated, I think he will be open to it because of what they've developed there and what um, the new ownership and all the stuff we've talked about. That's the one that I would want to see the most, but the safest bet Zach.
0: I think three points here, and then we can move on to the next one, is I'm going to try to tie all four topics that we've talked about already into this one answer. One, I think we can all agree Juan Soto isn't happening as much as would love for that to happen. Well, I think we-
2: actually, I don't know. <laughs>
0: I think if you went to him right now and said 10 years, 600, he might still say no and want to test out the market. Yeah, he'll
2: absolutely say no.
0: Uh, Topic number two, Pete's not happening either. We've heard Pete even mentioned a couple of days ago that like, no, the Mets haven't even offered me a contract extension versus David Stearns a couple of days ago said on a podcast where they're like, when's the Pete extension? He's like, if you could set up the press conference for us, that would be great. So seems like there's a disconnect on one of those sides, but We'll see what happens on that front. But then me tying it together, the two people I think could and won't get extended. The one I think does happen, Jackson Holiday. I think that's how they end up getting him on the opening day roster As they say, here we go, 10 years, 150, let's get it done. Could happen. And the guy that I don't think gets extended is Zach Wheeler versus that was the guy you were most confident because yeah. let's... Pretend we're Dave Dombrowski for a second. And Nico, you know the Dombrowski tendency. It's spend as much money as possible. Like, don't care about prospects. Win right now. So you go to Washerman and you say, Hi guys, what would you like for Zach Wheeler, who came in second place in Cy Young two years ago? And you know what he says? Eight years 250. Which I don't think is crazy because Garrett Cole got what, 10 years, 310? And yeah. an inflated market, maybe eight years, 250. Maybe even Wheeler goes 10 years, 300, whatever. They say, that's cool. You came in second in Cy Young. Let's go sign the guy that just won the Cy Young for half that price. Blake Snell, you're a Philadelphia Philly, seven years, 180. And Zach Wheeler, you can walk after this season.
1: Snell won't sign for seven. Snell won't
0: sign for that. You don't think Snell wants seven, 180? No, no. He, he wants, I think 30
1: is his floor. Snell wants seven to 10.
0: Okay, so Wheeler asked for 300 and Snell asked for 210. You sign Blake Snell, you rock for 1 year with a trio of Nola, Wheeler, Snell, and then after this year Snell just takes Wheeler's
1: spot as co-ace with Nola. I think that's like great in theory to say, but I don't think that they're interested in in Snell. Oh, I don't like yeah. like I don't think they're going to yeah. go for that mainly because again, I'm just it, trying
0: to think who signed. I these think guys. I think
1: also I no think one. also the other thing is um Like, (laughs) Zach Wheeler is very similar to what Garrett Cole was before 2023 of, yes, technically he hasn't won a Cy Young, but a lot of people would take him over a lot of Cy Young award winners because every year he's going to be one of those guys that's going to be in that conversation. Like, you don't have to, you can close your eyes, pick a year from now, from the last five years and the next five years, and you're going to be like, who's one of the best pitchers in the NL? And the answer is going to be Zach Wheeler. So that adds a lot of value. I'm also just
0: fascinated, fascinated to see how this Bryce Harper
1: conversation Remember goes. when he was, was a fringe
2: was? guy on the Mets? Thanks.
1: <laughs> Great. Remember when we had and Wheeler and, Matt Harvey. <laughs> and Steve, Matt Harvey? And Steven Matz.
0: And Noah Syndergaard. <laughs> number Bartolo Cologne. God. That's, that's Dude, amazing. imagine if
1: you would have beat the Royals. Damn.
0: Thanks. <laughs> uh, moving on to topic number five. We've just got the general topic, and it seems to happen every year. Some trade's going to happen, whether it's Jesus Zardo, whether it's Edward Cabrera, Dylan Cease. can't really think of anyone on the position player market because it seems to be all focused on pitchers, but always keep your eye peeled on the potential trade market that happens. There's always going to be an injury that happens at spring training. Unfortunately, it's every year, whether it's Edwin Diaz or Reese Hoskins or Gavin Lux or Kyle Schwarber a couple of years ago, someone gets hurt. The benefit, in quotes, of this year's class that if you end up losing and I don't want to put names out there, but this is what came to my mind. Garrett Cole gets hurt. I don't think... Fuck the- you. I don't...
1: Knock on wood. Right. Just knock, on, knock wood. on wood.
0: All right, let me, correct, let me correct my statement. <laughs> Zach, Wh- Zach Wheeler gets injured. Why I think- are we just naming people? No. <laughs> I know. Mean- <laughs> a
1: top-of-the-line starter gets hurt. Why can't you leave it at that?
0: Knock on wood again. A top-of-the-line starter gets hurt. I think a team that is a high... Market team such as the Mets, Phillies, or Yankees, would say, screw it, let's go sign Snell before they empty the farm for Jesus Lozardo. Yeah. Same, same with if a team loses their right fielder wearing 99, I think they're more likely to sign Cody Bellinger than to go trade for Eloy Jimenez.
2: Dude, Dylan tries why a- would we why would why would we trade for Eloy Jimenez after Alex Verdugo got hurt? <laughs> why would we? Why would we do that?
1: Yeah, I it think doesn't again, make any sense. <laughs> we talked about it a little bit. The team that makes the most sense that you have to watch for is the Orioles because it's again, it's a question of are they going to do it now? Which again, I think as Bradish develops and we see what happens with him through the rest of spring, we see and like who's on the chopping block because I think if they do make a move, they have a plethora of guys, and I don't Good think word. there's one in particular that you can really say is. Gonna get traded. I think it's more like what? Who does that team like? Um, I know for Miami again, Hazel Lizardo, and for the White Sox and C's, I think those are two um maybe similar, but I think in another way vastly different because I think the Marlins are actually willing to negotiate, and I think the White Sox are really like having the ceiling and hoping that a team gets desperate. So I think the one that makes more sense is Lizardo. But again, the team to watch right now is is like you said. You don't even have to go and and say if a frontline story got hurt the number two for the Orioles got hurt and everyone's just on the edge of their seat now already stuff with the Orioles and Hazel Osaro came out like the same day that the news about Kyle Brash get out so again just who's on the chopping block there because there's a lot of guys there that don't fit kind of in their future because maybe of like position clogs and things like that so they have the flexibility to make a lot of moves
0: Edward Cabrera for G. Juan Bay. Make it happen. Peter Bendix, new in Miami. Let's spark things up. Let's see what happens. So all I'm going to say. The last time I made a prediction like this, I forget what happened. But I remember that I said something stupid. Oh, yeah, it was Bobby Witt. And then 24 hours later, it happened. So I'm going to say, Edward Cabrera, Miami Marlins, headed to Pittsburgh. G. Juan Bay. Make it happen. I don't Maybe. think it's
1: going to be that. I think that's an interesting trade, but I don't know. If that it's would good. be so stupid
0: for the Marlins to do that. <laughs> Clip, get ready, Finley, to post this tomorrow. Number six, the Oakland, Vegas, Sacramento, homeless please, A's. please, <laughs> let it fall through. I don't even like. That's just we're gonna say that's a storyline to keep your eye on. Apparently, they're talking to the mayor of Oakland about if all of a sudden the A's move to Vegas, but the A's allow the the Oakland allow. Oh, stupid, so many variables, but Oakland. City allows the A's to stay while the stadium in Vegas is being built. Oakland will be guaranteed an expansion team in 2032. At the same time, Sacramento has pledged that the A's can use their stadium from 25 to 27, in the hopes that in using that stadium for three years, it proves that they're eligible to get an expansion team in 2032. There's rumblings that Nashville's like, hey, just come east and use our place for a couple of years. And then we had last week that uh, the great Scott Crawford of the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame said, yeah, Montreal's ready for an expansion team. And then we had our buddy Gabe Klobisitz come on the podcast last week and say, you know what, Buffalo, why not? So So we're just going to have a 40-team league soon. (laughs) It's going to be fun. Expansion is on the horizon at some point soon. You're going to get some rumors in some capacity over the next month. But more importantly, I think... Oakland situation gets somewhat resolved over spring training, given that I think he gets retconned fully. (laughs) Well, the thing is also like, I think they'd want to know going into opening day that way they could market opening day as like the the last, the last opening day in Oakland versus if they know that, Hey, we're moving in 27, but we're still going to use the Coliseum in 25 to 27. Then we've still got three more years of the Oakland days versus if we're playing in Sacramento in next year then yeah, the last year in the coliseum
1: so i would love um, instead like they how they did the reverse boycott like last year if they actually did a real boycott whenever they're gonna do because they are gonna do it, they're gonna be like last year in the oakland coliseum just boycott it like just don't go like literally i mean it's to be honest they're probably not gonna notice because it won't be much different from your actual games but like just don't have no one show up and just have a million tickets that like 50 cents a pop that no one shows up to and just watch games. Like basically like it was COVID just to like rub it in Because at the end of the day, like nothing that you do unless the deal falls apart is not going to happen. Just, just stick it in their faces. Cause I, I hate days right now.
0: <laughs> and storyline number seven in correlation to that. Congrats to Bob. I know he gets a lot of criticism as the commissioner of baseball, he announced he was retiring in january of 2029 which yes that's five years away for all the contention that's going to happen with the presidential race in november realize that the president is out of office before rob manford retires so for people saying that bob yes this isn't even big news we've got got an entire presidential term before rob manford retires but yes you're going to start to hear speculation about who's going to be the next commissioner of baseball and it's not going to be theo epstein
1: but it's it's so he dropped the bomb he was like i'm retiring and it was like in five years and it was like like okay like
2: we have to listen to so many slurred championship speeches until then yeah like it's the the microphone
0: i have it's not he's not slurring he's can't talk under the microphone pressure as an mlb employee i say that in that he hears the echo in his headphones so i've been there done that so i understand where he's coming from
1: i mean we still have five years to talk about how his commissioner role is going to look um a lot of ups and downs i mean i think again mainly
0: mainly downs
1: not true like
0: he he got mainly
1: mainly
2: downs he got through the lockout
1: yeah, he got through it, but he, he got through the
0: lockout.
2: But that's, he also, I think, like saying that
0: Herbert Hoover got through the great. Well, department. okay, let me let me defend the commission. Yeah, that's not, great, <laughs>
2: great comparison,
0: not just because I'm somewhat of an MLB intern, but I need to defend Rob a little bit. In that, the role of the commissioner is not to facilitate the league, it's to be an employee and a spokesperson for the 30 owners. At the end of the day, we can agree that the Negotiations and what ended up being the bargain definitely was leaning towards the owners once again. So as a Bob's job is to be the spokesperson and the voice of the owners, he's done a phenomenal job at that. Now, have there been goofs along the way, like calling the World Series trophy a piece of metal? Yes, but at his job title, he's done a great job. Now, I don't think I think the most important thing of his what do we call commissioner term. Tenure, tenure, is going to be expansion because every commissioner is remembered for something, and I don't think everyone's going to remember Rob Manford as the guy that couldn't talk in public. It's going to be the guy that navigated Oakland, the guy that potentially navigated White Sox, and the guy that potentially navigated the move to thirty-two teams for the first time in forty years. I disagree.
1: I think the only thing I think that that's what he needs that to happen because I think again the the two biggest. Things the big three biggest things of his thing of his tenure right now have been lockout really big rules which again that's kind of the bright been the bright spot really oh wow great rules um and then the third will probably be calling it a piece of metal really one, like again
2: <sighs> is it just my echo chamber that still
0: thinks about this which. The no, in in the
1: 2029 no oh, okay that goes along with that the cheating scandal. i think
2: i think i just like so i i oh i, I guess the piece of metal does go along with that that's I literally just, feel the pinnacle
1: of it it's just like I, oh i man. just
2: i just felt like i feel like i think the lack of punishment is Once just again
0: like, as the spokesperson for the owner of the astros what is he supposed I'm, to i'm
2: all all i'm saying is, i we're talking about what he's going to get remembered for
0: true okay
2: that's what he's going like you can't convince me that he won't get remembered for those spring training media (laughs) scrubs where, where Carlos Correa in all of his, like, we're going to get an E with a shit eating grin on his face. (laughs) is like,
0: and like, and
2: nothing's happening and we're all losing our minds.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I feel like if if we get two teams in Charlotte and Vegas and Montreal, I feel like that's, part of his legacy for
2: but,
1: his own sake I, I think it'll absolutely be a because it. it sucks but like it's a lot of stuff and it, this is for any commissioner a lot of stuff that's out of their control still gets put on them yeah and at the end of the day it comes with the territory he wanted to be the commissioner so you you assume that so all the bad stuff that happens whether it is your fault whether it's out of your control it's still on you it's like again it's the same way that like in the U.S. like No one really cares about Congress. No one cares about the (laughs) anything that goes wrong, whether it has to do with the president or not, it's the president's fault. It just comes with the territory. So, yeah, while again, the lockout, a lot of it has to do with the fact that, yeah, he works for the owner. So he they're literally just telling him what to do. And he has to do that. And how the Astros is, again, he's working for the owner. So the owners tell him the Astro owner tells him what to do. So he kind of, you know, is very soft on him. It's still on him at the end of the day because the guy was the commissioner at that time. So uh, he he needs the expansion to happen to save this because, again, the bright spot can't be the rules. I get it.
0: I like it. And so obviously a lot of storylines to follow. We will be with you covering it all throughout spring training. Again, as a reminder, we'll be transitioning more towards three to four episodes a week as opposed to the normal five. We will still be giving you interviews one or two times and, of course, three of us. We'll be talking baseball and all the biggest storylines once or twice a week as well. So Spotify, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at Sardetired pod to get all your latest updates. And of course, I can tease. We pride ourselves on being a good podcast. We got a great interview coming up for you guys tomorrow. So for Dylan, Nico, and Henry, until the next time, the side is retired.